Hi, and welcome to The Booby Girls, a podcast from two friends dedicated to answering the age-old question, which was better, the book or the movie? And if you want to hear more from the Booby Girls, we are on Patreon. All you have to do to become a patron is go to patreon.com forward slash the Booby Girls. And we do have some awesome content. Um, we just started our first series, Firefly Lane, which yes. has literally been everywhere. It's all anyone's talking about on Netflix. So yeah, become a patron and you have uh, you know exclusive access yes, to that. Yes, we, we will be posting the very first episode on our regular platforms. But after that, that's it. Yeah, so you have to sign to up for Patreon. <laughs> And this week we are covering The Martian. I, I never felt dumber while reading right? a book. Like this is this is wild. I know. Um, I have actually uh, titled this one Perseverance. Okay. Do you know why? No. Because Perseverance is the name of the rover that they just landed ah. on Mars on February 18th. Which, ironically enough, is the day I watched this movie. Weird. I had no idea. That night, Ray was like, hey, do you know if they landed a rover on Mars? I was like, no, they didn't. I was like, we just watched that movie. He was like, no, like, look they at most, the news. Yeah, they most definitely did. Yes. I, th- I thought the same thing when I was reading. I was like, this is really cool and, like, timely. Right? We didn't, we didn't even plan it. <laughs> but I didn't know the name of it, so I like that. <laughs> so the book was actually self-published by writer Andy Weir. Weir? Weir? Weir, I think. Weir? Well, it's Johnny Weir, the, so, the, yeah. the ice skater, so probably Andy Weir. Okay, right? let's go with that. So self-published by Andy Weir in 2011, <laughs> which is pretty um, unique because most of the books yeah. that we've – actually, all of the books that we've read um, have been you know, published by a publishing company. But it was re-released in 2014 when Crown Publishing bought the rights to the book. Interesting. Have you heard of any of the other books that he's written? Uh, I actually, since reading this, have come across multiple. Um, there's, I think, a, it's either new or slightly new called Artemis. That sounds really interesting mm. that I want to read. Well, so one of my best friends, Seth, is was, you know, he's the one that recommended this. Mm. He's like, you have to do this. And I was like, okay, you're gonna have to wait till Harry Potter is over. <laughs> but he was telling me, he goes, yeah, all of his books are really good. But like, after reading this, I'm like, I mean, we'll get into it. But yeah. like, this was a hard I read know. for me. And I think, and you know, he's going to be a dentist. So his mind looks or is like that. Yeah. Um, my mind is not scientific. Same. I struggled through this. So I'm wondering book. if that's how all of his books are. I have a feeling they all have a space theme to them. Um, oh, so yeah. Interesting. Anyway. So uh, the book has a Goodreads rating of 4.4 out of five and it is 369 pages. The movie came out in 2015. So not too long ago. It's rated PG 13. It's an adventure drama sci-fi and it's two hours and 24 minutes long, which is interesting because the book's not that long. No. Uh, it's directed by Ridley Scott, who he is one of the most famous sci-fi directors. He did all the Alien movies. He did Gladiator. And spoiler, there's going to be another Gladiator movie. Really? That he's directing. Uh, he also did Black Hawk Down, which is, I'm going to get some hate for this, but it's literally my only like war movie that I like. Like, I'm not a big war movie fan yeah like they all just seem kind of like the same to me a lot that's fair that's one of my favorites and then he also did american gangster uh he was also the executive producer for the good wife for that entire run and he also produced murder on the orient express which i'm gonna see if i can convince you to do next next round of books i I could be um convinced to do that one isn't johnny (laughs) depp in that movie 
the new one, yes. Oh, oh, there's multiple ones. Yeah, it was remade a, a couple of years ago, oh, but okay. that's the one I, I want to do anyway. Got it. So the IMDb synopsis reads, an astronaut becomes stranded on Mars after his team assume him dead and must rely on his ingenuity to find a way to signal to Earth that he is alive. It like gives me anxiety thinking about this. Yeah. I had no idea what this movie was about or book was about. Uh, definitely not what I was expecting whatsoever. No. But like you said, I struggled through this book. Yeah. <laughs> I, it, like I never have I felt like so dumb in my life. I told you I started this book before Roche did and I was like, warning. <laughs> I, you're not going to understand half of these words. Yeah. So you, I mean... I might lean on you this time because honestly, so you're not going to be able to tell me how much oxygen and nitrogen you need to like blow things up with. No, with the exception (laughs) of like certain souls that certain big things happened. I have no idea what else happened. (laughs) All I learned learned while reading this book is that I would never survive on Mars, but they would never send me there in the first place. Right. Exactly. (laughs) So some fun facts about the book. Um, So this is actually Andy Weir's debut novel. Um, he is the son of a particle physicist and an electrical engineer, and he also has a background in computer science. Okay, so, that makes, of course, that makes a lot more sense. That now. makes sense, yeah. <laughs> he actually decided to put the book online in a serial format, one chapter at a time, for free on his website. But at the request of fans, he made an Amazon Kindle version for 99 cents, which is the bare minimum that you can charge for, for a book. Mm-hmm. Um, the Kindle edition actually rose to the top of the Amazon list uh, for best-selling science fiction titles, where it sold 35,000 copies in three months, Holy uh, more than had been previously downloaded for free. So clearly the like hype around this book was yeah. pretty big. I bet he wishes he made it at least a dollar. Right? <laughs> I know. Um, so he sold the print rights, like I mentioned, to Crown Publishing in March 2013 for over $100,000. So he made a little bit more money uh, once he sold yeah. it. So that's good. Um, the paperback edition of the book was number one on the New York Times bestseller list for best trade fiction category three different times. So once for one week, the very first time it uh, premiered, mm-hmm. then for 12 weeks, and then finally for six weeks. So overall, the, the paperback edition was on the top of the list um, for a total of 19 of the 76 weeks that it was on. I think on he under, he clearly undersold himself. Totally. Which now I can, I can kind of see why there's hype. And, you know, he's obviously uh, written multiple books since then. So um, there's obviously a a uh, audience for this type of book. So I completely get it. Yeah, the left brain people. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, and lastly, in 2015, uh, he wrote a prequel short story to The Martian titled Diary of an Ass Can. Obviously, I haven't read it myself, but I just huh. love the name. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> I did like the comedic relief in, totally. in his writing. It, it's really what saved this yeah, book absolutely. for me. Um, because uh, let me tell you, the first 100 pages... I was I was questioning my friendship <laughs> with my with my friend. <laughs> uh, so the movie has a ninety one percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow, which is massive. That's crazy. And I guess I mean recently it started going down a little bit. I think when it like first came out, it had like a ninety eight percent. Like people loved this movie. That's impressive. The budget was $108 million and it grossed $630 million, which I don't know where I was in 2015, but I don't, why did I not go see this? Like, I don't remember there being that much hype around this. I know why I didn't go see it. Cause it was about a guy on Mars. I mean, yeah, but like eventually, you know, like you, you would have made more sense to go see it. Cause yeah. I feel like either you or boyfriend Ray would have, you know, noticed well, this was it. before boyfriend Ray. Oh, so that was probably awkward. why this was in between. This was BR. <laughs> this was BR before 
BBR, before BBR. Boyfriend Ray. <laughs> uh, so some fun facts about the movie. It was actually nominated for seven Oscars. Unfortunately, it didn't win any of them. Ooh. I read somewhere that it was uh, it was the year. I don't remember what won uh, best movie that year, but Matt Damon was up for best actor for this film. And he was the only one in that category playing a fictional character. All of the rest of them were historical uh. movies, um, which I thought was interesting. I was like... I need, should have done some more research to figure out <laughs> who won that year. Um, but funny enough that this film actually did win two Golden Globe Awards. Uh, Matt Damon did win for Best Actor for, for in the Golden Globes. But there was big controversy because this movie actually won the Best Motion Picture for a comedy or musical. <laughs> and so people were like... What do you mean? Like, this is a sci-fi movie. This wasn't... Well, you just said drama, too. Right. It's not even... it. Like, they don't even categorize it as a comedy. Yeah. However, it ended up getting so much criticism that they ended up changing the rules, which states that the dramas with comedic overtones should be entered as dramas and not comedies. Because there are some comedic relief with this. Sure. But it's not a comedy. Well, and compared to the book, there's much less comedy, in my opinion, right. in the movie. So if you were judging the book, maybe it could have been, fell under, under that category, but definitely not the movie. Yeah, so I thought that was really interesting. I mean, it, it rewrote the rules for yeah. it. So uh, the movie was filmed in Hungary, actually. Uh, they ended up using one of the biggest, actually the biggest... A green screen studio, um, which is in Budapest, to film this movie. But they also did uh, film three weeks in NASA. So NASA really, I mean, when I was reading the book, I was like, there's no way NASA's like all over this movie. Like there's some reviews talking about like, this is just a giant NASA commercial. <laughs> it's not wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? So evidently NASA did back this and that they let them use, you know, their logos mm -hmm. and their name and everything. Um, I mean, I'm just going to come out and say this. This is not a fun fact about the movie or anything. The money that I'm sure is spent in this in the space program in oh. this country. Unreal. Unreal. Like they talk about in the book a little bit, but I'm like, do you know how many other things we should be doing? Like space is cool, right? Space is cool. Like yeah. it's interesting. But like let's worry about our planet that is currently in a climate. Right. Like I think in the book situation. they talk about he's like, yeah, it was like a hundred million dollars for them to save me. I'm like what could we have done with a hundred million dollars? So not like saying, you know, no one person's life is that important because it is. Right. But imagine the, what we could do with that much money. Yeah. And just to think like how much yeah. of all the things that they do, like the rover they sent up there was to go to see if there was life on Mars, possibly before. Like, how much money did, did we spend? I mean, they're probably doing other things there, too. It sounds like they're basically spending money for us to have an exit strategy when the world goes to shit. Because they're not spending the money <laughs> to fix the planet. Right. That's, sorry, that's just a tangent that I thought about this entire time we were doing this one. Um, so Ridley Scott, the director of the movie, claimed uh, that Matt Damon's solo scenes were all filmed in a five-week straight mm -hmm. like right in a row um and after that he was relieved like that was the end of his shooting and he didn't end up seeing any of the rest of his co-stars um from the cast until they were reunited at the film uh, huh. like premiere <laughs> i mean i guess that makes sense the yeah, majority well, of the movie he's by himself yeah well and it's funny because when the book starts off i think like almost the first hundred pages is just him mm -hmm. and i was like 
well, this is going to be easy when I do the do the notes. There's no other people <laughs> on here. But yeah. then they introduce I a know. whole slew of people. It was a little um, slow to start for me because I really like struggle with books that don't have dialogue. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, we get the inner dialogue. We'll talk about it. But yeah, it, it was like, okay, when are the other people getting here? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, so, you know, we'll talk about this scene. But he ends up, you know... Uh, planting potatoes to mm-hmm. stay alive and they actually uh farmed a real potato like cropped on the studio to use it during filming that's cool which i thought was kind of neat so like i said ridley scott also directed the alien movies and one of the biggest one of the quotes from that movie is in space no one can hear you scream well in the movie we actually hear one of the other astronauts who's just about to take a trip outside of um the hermes Mm -hmm. uh side note sorry (laughs) i when i was reading this i I thought i was so smart and i was like oh it's hermes Hermes. (laughs) i did the same thing (laughs) I was like, it's Hermes. Like they say it. I think it's like in Nanny Diaries. It's Hermes. <laughs> it's the, the whole time. It's it's the brand. It's the scarf. <laughs> I was like, I'm totally going to be so smart when I watch this. And Hermes. then they're like, nope, it's the Hermes. <laughs> I so, thought the same thing. Anyway, You're not alone. <laughs> so Beck is just about to leave uh, the Hermes ship. And he says to be careful because no one in space. And they leave the quote unfinished oh. as like a nod to the alien movies, which it's in the book though. I think the full, yeah, the full, full one quote is in, is the, in book. the book. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't, they just wanted to yeah. leave you wanting more in the movie, I guess. <laughs> uh, so the spacesuits, I thought were freaking cool in the movie. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's sleek. You know, they don't I, normally look that way, though. No, uh, they said when designing the spacesuits for the movie, the costume designer looked at all of the NASA suits um, actually, you know, used for, you know, space travel. And she was like, yeah, these look exactly like Buzz Lightyear. And that's not going to work. <laughs> they said that they were way too bulky and that they disliked them so much that they ended up taking aspects of the actual suits and turning them into something more practical for the movie. See, and I get that for the sake of the actors, but like. In this book, you get such descriptive, like, narration about how difficult it is to do anything in these suits. Right. And I feel like that wasn't portrayed in the movie. Like, no. he was just, like, you know, like, any old uh, person wearing regular <laughs> clothes. Yeah. Like, he I didn't was look like, com- that actually looks, like, I wanted one of those. I totally. was like, that looks cool. I guess the, the, the story is supposed to be taking place in, like, 2035, so mm. maybe it gets a little sleeker. But like you said in the book, it's, yeah. that's a main thing is that you can't move in that right. stupid suit. Uh, one of the things that we see throughout the movie, though, is the weight loss of Matt Damon, who plays the main character. Uh, I was like, there's no way that's him. <laughs> like, there's no way. And it actually wasn't. But Matt Damon was actually willing to lose a massive amount of weight towards the end of the movie. Um, but Ridley Scott forbade it because I guess Damon had actually lost a bunch of weight while he was filming uh, courage under fire in 1996. And he went under like some serious compromised health issues after that. Uh, So he was like, bro, that's what body doubles are for. So they ended up using a body double instead. (laughs) So unfortunately we didn't actually see Matt Damon's butt. Um, (laughs) They were all body doubles. Got it. Good to know. (laughs) So speaking of Matt Damon, uh, the cast of the movie 
was way better than I thought it was going to be. Totally. I was like, oh my God, they're in there. Oh my gosh, that guy, you know? <laughs> so I actually have a really fun game for you to play oh in gosh. a little bit. Okay. Um, but we're going to start with Matt Damon. Okay. Uh, he plays Mark Watney, who is the astronaut that gets left on Mars. Uh, he's a five-time Oscar nominee, um, including for The Martian. I mean, one in 1997 for best writing of a screenplay for Goodwill Hunting. Great movie. Uh, obviously, he's been in all the Bourne, Jason Bourne movies which are on our list because they are books. Oh, no. Which I feel like they are going to be hard to read, but those movies are so Talk about a different feeling of, like, being stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Look, if I can do Harry Potter, you can do... Okay. Also, um, those are young adult books, just saying. You'll you'll get through it. Uh, He was also in the movie We Bought a Zoo, which I love. It's such a cute movie. Uh, True Grit. He was also in all the Oceans movies. Uh, and he was in Interstellar in 2014, where he plays an astronaut as well, mm. the year before this movie came out. So back-to-back movies he played astronauts in. I really like him in the Oceans movies. Um, I don't know if this is an unpopular opinion, but I think he is the better of the um, best friend duo. Oh, obviously. <laughs> I don't know how people feel about Matt Damon, but I know obviously. how most people feel about Ben Affleck. So it's like you win by just default, I think, if you're Matt Damon. Obviously. <laughs> I love Matt Damon. Yeah. Like... He's great. I love him. I, I think he just plays such a wide variety mm-hmm. of characters. Which is the opposite of what Ben Affleck does. Right. He's literally the same character yeah. and he has the same expression in every movie. Yep. Um, and then he was also um, makes an appearance in Thor Ragnarok as Loki, oh, yeah. um, which Thor Ragnarok is one of my favorite Marvel movies. Um, so on that note, we're going to talk about a couple other characters. Okay. And then we are going to take the other six cast members of this film and play what Marvel movie were they in? I knew that was coming. (laughs) Okay, as long as it's the movie and not what is their character name, I think I got it. Okay, okay. Well, we'll start with these ones that were not in in any Marvel movies. Uh, So, uh, Melissa Lewis, who is the commander mm-hmm. of the of the Hermes <laughs> of this Mars mission that left yes. is played by Jessica Chastain who we know from the help that we did yes. um she was also in an interstellar with Matt Damon um I like her as an actress I don't think she was right for this role okay I felt like this role needed one someone a little older <laughs> like I just didn't believe that they were all right around the, the same, same age. age okay especially when you look at like you know, different crews that go up into space. There's mm-hmm. always like one really old guy who's, who's like probably been really around. Smart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, like all these guys were all like, you know, we're all in the same area of life. Let's go to Mars. Yeah. That's fair. But I mean, I do like her though. I, I mean, I don't know that I had anything in mind necessarily for this character. Cause to me, like she's somewhat important, but not really. I mean, this whole story is about Watney. Let's yeah. be honest. I just, I don't know. I just felt like it needed someone older. That's fair. Like more of an authoritative figure you know what i mean uh so next character is annie montrose she is the kind of reporter liaison communications person for nasa uh is played by kristen wig love her i love her obviously she's in bridesmaid bridesmaids uh she's in where'd you go bernadette which is on our list to do and then she was currently just in uh wonder woman 1984 as one of the bad guys that movie sucked (laughs) Like they just they had like it didn't two, suck because of her, did it? No, but she plays a villain, and then they have this other villain who's they're not connected together. It's mm. like they couldn't decide which villain. To you can't make. have multiple villains in a movie. Well, and supposedly, I mean, again, boyfriend Ray told me this, but evidently, her character, her villain, 
is like Wonder Woman's main arch nemesis mm. that they should have just focused on. Makes sense. But then they brought the other guy who's from the Mandalorian. It is wild. But <laughs> I'm confused. I know. It's fine. Uh, Kristen Wiig, I love her. She's hilarious. Yeah. And I, I love seeing her in the funny movies. I love seeing her in the more serious roles. So. Yeah. Again, this role... Didn't really need to be anything special. Um, it was nice, to your point, to see her in a more serious role. She still had that little comedic, um, you know, value, but definitely much more serious, especially more than Bridesmaids, which I love her <laughs> yes. in. Yes. Uh, next character is Teddy Sanders. He is the director of NASA. One of my favorite uh, parts in this movie is when one of the other characters that we'll talk about, he's like, who are you? And he goes, Ted Sanders? director of nasa and he's like oh hey what's up <laughs> uh, but he's played by jeff daniels do you know who jeff daniels is i've seen him <laughs> where have you seen him um lots of things is there a specific one i should know him from <laughs> <laughs> he is one half of the dumb and dumber crew. oh right <laughs> he's i hate Harry those in the dumb and dumber movies um and he also plays roger in 101 dalmatians uh in from the 90s he's pongo's dad cool in the movies but i i like him i think and again it was the he will always be hairy in my eyes um a dumb and dumber but um i thought he was good for this role he was like serious but like not too serious yeah um but yeah i felt like we didn't get as we didn't get into those characters as much in the movie as we got in, in the book um, all right, so first round. That was of, it? Those are all the people that weren't in Marvel movies? The ones that... Oh, okay. I, I have six more. Okay. I mean, we probably could have gone on, right. but... Um, okay, so first up, we have uh, Rick Martinez, played by Michael Pena. Mm-hmm. Michael Pena is in what Marvel movie? Is this not multiple choice? It is not. <laughs> oh, crap. <laughs> um, There's a one and a two, and he's in both of them. There's a one and a two? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not Iron Man because there's three of those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm going to go with <laughs> Captain Marvel. Wrong. He's an Ant-Man. <laughs> oh, He's like one of the security guys. He, like, oh, yeah. Okay. He helps Paul Rudd out. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah, like yeah. the comedic okay. relief in that movie. Yes. Um, but that's kind of his thing. He's like the comedic relief in a lot of movies. Um, but he's also in Narcos, Mexico. He's in A Wrinkle in Time, Million Dollar Baby, and in Shooter, which... Um, Somebody else plays in that too from this movie, but I love him. I think he's so funny, but I he plays too. in this movie, another one of the astronauts that yeah. are out in space. I liked his, uh, I liked his like sassiness with oh, everybody yeah. else. <laughs> you know what I thought? So the crew that's up in the Hermes in the book, they just use their last names. Mm-hmm. So I was so confused if they were talking about a male or a female, which it doesn't matter. But at one point they're like, Beck likes Johansson. And I was like, <laughs> Is that two guys? Like, cool if it is, but like, it's not. Like, I was so confused on who we were talking about. Same. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of, um, Beth Johansson is played by Kate Mara. This one is very tricky, and I don't think you're going to get it, but I'll let, I'll give you a chance. Thor. No, she's an Iron Man 2. She's a U.S. Marshal. How would I know that? (laughs) (laughs) But I actually really like her. She's in House of Cards. She's in Fantastic Four. Which, when she was in Fantastic Four, was not a Marvel movie, but is now coming to the MCU. You've lost me. <laughs> You've officially uh, lost and me. She was also in uh, American Horror Story in Murder mm. House, the very first one, the best one. Yes. Uh, she was also in Nip Tuck, and she was also in Shooter. Um, so yeah, she has the connection with... Uh, I would just like to say um, justice for her character in House of Cards. She she was played. 
<laughs> have you seen House of Cards? No, I have not. Oh, yeah. She was played. <laughs> um, she's actually also sisters of uh, Rooney Mara mm-hmm. from Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, which I had no idea that they were sisters. What? No, why would I know that? They look so alike. I mean, but I know I know um, Kate so much more. That's fair. Like, I really only know Rooney Mara from... I feel like from that I feel like Rooney has much more of like a European feel to her and yeah. Kate's so much more like Americanized in my opinion. Right. <laughs> she reminds me of oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm blanking on the name. The girl from Wedding Crashers. The one who was Isla Fisher? Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. I think they have like a similar look to them. She kind of mousy. Isla Fisher reminds me of Amy Adams. That's who Fair those enough. two look like. <laughs> okay, you're gonna get this one. I hope so. Astronaut Chris Beck. Is played by Sebastian Stan. Mm-hmm. You know who he is. He's got long hair. Not in this movie, but no, in, 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 the, Marvel in the Marvel movies. movies. Yes. Yeah, um, Captain America. I'll give that to you. But what's it? This one you got to know his character name. I do. He's in literally all of them, like half of the Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. Wasn't he like supposed to be a bad guy, but he was actually a good guy? Mm-hmm. He ends up being like an anti-hero. Kind yeah, of. I don't know his name. Bucky, the Bucky. Win- Bucky Barnes, the Winter Soldier. Right, right, right. Um, he was also in uh, <laughs> Devil All the Time that we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played the Mad Hatter in Once Upon a Time, the TV show, and also had a role in Gossip Girl for a while as Carter. Oh, he's but really good looking. I love him. He's so good. Yeah. I liked him in this movie because I the long hair doesn't do it for yeah, me. No, no. So I was like, oh. Yeah, he's cut. actually, um, they are coming out with a new Falcon um, Winter Soldier show, kind of like WandaVision. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's going to be in that. So oh, we're going nice. to see more of him. So maybe you'll watch that one. Doubt it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Next up, uh, Vin- the, uh, Vincent Kapoor, who plays uh, someone who works at NASA, is played by Chiwetel Joey Four. I have no idea how to pronounce his last name. Uh, I think his first name is Ch- Ch- Chiwetel. Yes. I don't know how to wow. say his last name. Four, maybe? Yeah, that sounds better. Yeah. I'm surprised you can you know that without looking at it. Well, because I just know him. I don't know which <laughs> I know Marvel him. movie. So he's where in. you know what Marvel movie is he from? <laughs> which one is he from? I mean, he, he's pretty much he's kind of a side character, but he does show up quite a bit in this movie. So one of my favorite ones. So it's not what I think it is. What do you think it is? <laughs> Black Panther. No, it's not Black Panther. Um. Hmm. <laughs> Iron Man. <laughs> no. No. I got nothing. Doctor Strange. What? Yes. He's his friend. In there. Um, he also plays the So none of these people are main characters, really. Uh, Sebastian Stan is, 1,000%. Mm, sort of. Is there He's a like movie named B-Squad. after him? There's about to be a show. Barely. Anyway. <laughs> you were just saying you were attracted to him, that you liked him. This hard. This game Just was because hard. I have a game that you're not good at for once. This game was hard. Okay. Um, but he also played the voice of Scar in the new Lion King movie. Mm, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's good. I liked him. <laughs> uh, I had an issue because um, from the name in the book, yes. it's you're inclined to b- believe that he's full Indian. Yes. They do briefly mention that he's half Indian, half right. black, I'm assuming, um, because he says he's Hindu and, and um, Baptist. But yeah, I was like, mm, I see what you did there. You kept the last name, but <laughs> yes. you totally changed the first name. Right. So, in, the, uh, in the book, his name is Venkat, I believe. Yes. Um, but anyway. <laughs> You digress. Ne- neither here nor there. But uh, The next character is Bruce, who he works for the JPL, which is kind of like 
the nerdy engineers that mm-hmm. build everything mm-hmm. for NASA is played by Benedict Wong. And he is in what Marvel movie? He is also in um, uh, the one you just said. Which is what? <laughs> I literally just said it. The Cumberbatch one. <laughs> the other Benedict? Yes. yes, Doctor Strange. Yes, Doctor Strange. Yeah, he's, I would have given probably a couple of them to you because he is. He does show up in some of the yeah, other ones. That one I like vividly remember his face. Yes. <laughs> okay, so the last character we'll talk about is Rich Purnell. Um, he is, he works for JPL as well. And is kind of the nerdy guy who comes up with a brilliant idea mm-hmm. on how to save Mark, um, is played by Donald Glover. Obviously we know him as childish Gambino as well. This one is really tricky. And if you get it, I'm going to be, can you give me like a clue? Impressed. Um, I keep saying they're from one of my favorites. <laughs> um, he shows up in, oh, Okay. His, he is in a movie with one of my favorite actors that we have done a book about. <laughs> and I said that he has another one coming out and you said you won't watch it. But I love him. I mean, I'm inclined to say Alexander Skarsgård, but I know that's not the right answer. <laughs> no, because Alexander Skarsgård is not in Marvel. <laughs> what other but you actor, love him. What actor do I say that I am like, I love him. Like, he's probably too young for me and it's kind of creepy, but I oh, love Tom him. Oh, Tom Holland. Yes. Mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. narrows it down to like... Spider-Man. Two. Yes. The second one. False Homecoming, the Dang first it. one. But you were close. <laughs> uh, Donald Glover also plays Simba's voice in yes. The Lion King in 2019. Um, he was in Solo, the Star Wars movie. He won a Golden Globe for his perform- or for his um, character in Atlanta in that series. And then he got really his starting, his acting career got started on the series uh, Community. That's right. So. He's good. Not what I pictured for that no role, but i loved it but it actually worked really yeah. well yeah um but yeah so you failed the game obviously did i get any oh i got bruce right yeah but you didn't actually say the the name i mean that's fine okay okay now time, is it time for you to fail at games yes. okay yes. great <clears throat> no more games by you by the way well i had to all right so it's time for who said it All right, your first one is, we have recently reviewed satellite imagery from Mars and have confirmed that astronaut Mark Watney is currently still alive. That was Teddy Sanders. Incorrect. Dang it. It was Annie. (laughs) Dang it. Because they don't let her talk in the movie. I know, it's really stupid. When they were doing press uh, conferences, I was like, why is Teddy up there the whole time? I I don't understand. Anyway. uh, So he does say that in the book, though, or in the the book. In the movie. Yeah, not in those words, but I pick from the book, okay. not from the movie. Anyway, next one. I left him behind in a barren, unreachable, godforsaken wasteland. That was Commander Lewis. Yes. <laughs> next one. Duct tape works anywhere. Duct tape is magic and should be worshipped. <laughs> Mark Watney. Yes. <laughs> I agree also. Yes. Uh, next one. It just goes to show... Love of science is universal across all cultures. Yikes. Oh, Dumbledore quote. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, let's go with um, Vincent Kapoor. Mm, Teddy. <laughs> Last one is every human being has a basic instinct to help each other out. It might not seem that way sometimes, but it's true. That's like the last like. Part of the book, right? Maybe. Mark Watney. Yes. <laughs> I was like, I think that's like the last page of the book. All right. Next up is F. Mary Kill. You can't fail this one. No. Well, 
It remains to be seen. Okay. We'll find out. Uh, your options are Mark Watney, Vincent slash Venkat Kapoor, and Commander Lewis. What's her last name? Or what's her first name? Melanie? No. Melissa. Melissa, Melissa Lewis. Okay. Well, ugh, that's tough. That is tough. Um, I'm going to marry Mark Watney because he's funny and he can get me off Mars. Or at least feed me. Like, even if we're broke and we lose our jobs, he's going to plant me some potatoes. That's true. I do love potatoes. Um, There's a lot you could do with potatoes. Yeah. Not on Mars, but in general. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll kill Kapoor because I don't fully remember what he actually was, like, there for. In, he was, like, the, the head of the, like, mission or whatever. Oh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> no, we'll get rid of him. And then I will go into space with Commander Lewis. <laughs> okay. Even though I wish he was a little older. <laughs> All right. Um, I will kill Lewis because I didn't really feel like she did much for me. Um, I will... Because she would leave you behind on Mars? Pretty much, yeah. Um, I will marry Kapoor... Because he's just, he just seems very smart and he gets things done. Like he, you know, he goes to the people that need to, <laughs> he needs to get to, to get okay. things done. So I, I can appreciate that. Um, and I will go into space with Watney because he seems like a good time. He's <laughs> <laughs> funny at least. He's very funny. <laughs> After he showers. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going to get, do our best to get through this. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, there are nothing, there's nothing from the periodic table in my notes. <laughs> Nothing. That's so fair. that's what you're here for. Just turn it off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the movie starts out. Uh, they actually fast forward about a week in the, like it starts off on soul 16. Uh, soul. If you haven't seen or read the mo- read the book or seen the movie is basically what they consider a day in Mars, which is a little bit longer mm-hmm. than a normal earth day. Correct. But in the book, I think they start on Soul 6, and in the movie, they're like Soul 16 or something. Uh, but we get to see Mars uh, kind of for the first time and them landing on Mars, the crew's landing on Mars, which is different because we don't meet the crew. We don't meet anybody till about 100 pages into, right. into the book. Uh, but we see them gathering different samples on Mars because I guess that's what they're there for, to collect <laughs> rocks. And we get to meet the different crew members, which I kind of liked because you got to know them while they're actually there. Right. Uh, but then right away we see that there's this big storm coming and they end up scrubbing the mission, which basically means that they're getting them off there. Cause I think they were supposed to be there for like two weeks or something. Yeah. Like that. And so they'd only been there, you know, a couple days. And so they, they know that they need to like depart uh, from Mars. And so they're trying to get to, what they call the MAV. <laughs> when I was reading it, I'm like, it's the MAV. It's totally the MAV. <laughs> it's the MAV. But in the, in the movie, they call it the MAV, which is basically like a, like a mini rocket ship that takes them from Mars to this other spaceship in space, space. <laughs> that then will take them home, right. is what I've gathered. Yes. The extent of my space knowledge is Xenon from the Disney oh Channel. Oh my God. <laughs> Like, that is what I pictured. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> no, zoom, zoom, zoom. Is that on Disney Plus? God, I hope so. Side note, I need to go find that out tonight. <laughs> I love that movie. Um, so anyways, they, and the problem that they're having is that the wind is so strong that it is tipping the MAV. And if it tips over, they don't have a way to get off of Mars. So they need to get to there before it tips. They start walking 
towards towards this basically it was like a you know a little conga line to the <laughs> mav and mark gets hit by i guess it's like a sat- almost like a little satellite dish mm-hmm. and it knocks him out from where they are and they can't see him anymore and what we don't get we get a lot of description in the book about how they can tell from like monitors inside their suits like if the other if they're crew members are alive or not basically well what we kind of get to understand is like because the the satellite impaled him a part Mm -hmm. of him that basically creates a or or takes away the barrier between him and the oxygen that's or you know the air that's on mars and your sol if if you breathe that air so that's why they assume he's he's a goner yeah so commander lewis does try to go out and find him she can't see him because it's I mean, so we live in Arizona and we have haboobs every now and then. Yes, that is a real word. <laughs> word. When I came to Arizona, I thought they were tricking me. But haboobs are the dust storms here. Giant here. dust storms. And it's crazy. You can't see. And that's what this, I was like, this is way worse than our haboobs. But that's what I feel like when, right. it, when they it's roll like times in. 100. Yeah. And so she can't find him. But the rest of the crew goes to the MAV and they're trying to get her to come back. Eventually, she gives up her search and she gets back onto the MAV with them and they launch. And they leave Mark there on Mars. But they think he's dead. Right. NASA then makes an announcement um, on Earth um, telling, you know, the world that Mark Watney is dead. Because really, I mean, like you said, to everyone's defense, they, they're they reading the charts. Right. He has no oxygen. He can't survive there. Right. Well, and they don't want to lose everybody. I mean, right. if you lose one... It's at least a little better than <laughs> losing all six. Yeah, exactly. And so, but now we're back on Mars. Surprise, surprise, Mark is not dead. Um, He was impaled by a small antenna, like Roche was talking about. Um, In the book, they talk about how, like, the blood ends up, like, making a seal Mm -hmm. in his suit. And that's why he was able to survive. Like, everything really just kind of works out in his favor. Literally. (laughs) It kind of just happens to happen the exact way it needed to for him to stay alive. Um, But so Mark is able to get back to the hab, which is their habitat. It's like this tent thing giant tent. this giant tent. this is did you watch the movie before you read the book no i read the book first because i almost thought i mean granted it didn't work out for me very well the last time i did opposite uh but i i was having a hard time visualizing what a lot of these things actually mm-hmm. look like so i thought maybe watching the movie would have been easier while you're reading it the, but... the hab specifically felt way bigger to me in the movie than i was ex- i was yeah. picturing in the book. so it's this like giant tent thing um where they live and they have bunks there and that's where they eat um but so mark goes back in there he pulls the antenna out of him out of himself and he ends up stapling himself back up um to you know basically keep him alive at this point and he realizes, like, he's he's so worried about, like, stapling himself together. And then he finally does it. And he's just like, he looks up and he's like, crap. <laughs> he doesn't say crap. Yeah. <laughs> but he's like, man, I am all by myself. So he starts a log. In in the movie, it's a video log. In the book, it he types it. Right. Uh, which, I mean, I think you can't, I, I, I thought when I was reading, I was like, oh, they're going to have him typing and we're going to see a voiceover. Yeah. I actually liked how they did the video log in the movie. Uh, what you wanted to see, watch him type things out. I wanted to hear the inner dialogue like I was reading True. it, but yeah. I, I get why they changed it. And it makes sense. 
in the way they did in the movie. Because if we're talking 2035 or whatever, this yeah. is supposed to be 20 whatever. Like, obviously, a video log makes more sense. <laughs> right. Well, it's funny. When I was when I was even reading the book, I was like, is he ri- like literally writing this down? <laughs> like, this doesn't seem very tech savvy. Right. Uh, but yeah, so he has this video log and he's basically just going through, you know, everything that's happening. And he says that he's doing it. Because he thinks he's going to die at some point. And he wants people to know that, you know, he was still alive. Because eventually someone is going to come back to Mars and find all of this stuff. Um, But he starts listing all of the ways um, that he could potentially die, which is just morbid. Mm -hmm. Um, But he does tell us at this point that another manned mission to Mars um, will be back, but not for another four years. It's a long time. It's a very long time. In the book, they go through like, all these details about how they send supplies out like a year or two in advance and they do it's all this process. stuff and it's all like starts in motion. Like the mission after them is basically already started because it takes so long to get them right. there. <clears throat> uh, but he starts making a log of everything that he's, that he, that he's eaten and trying to figure out, you know, how much food, he can eat on a day-to-day basis. Like this is part where it gets into the weeds in the book (laughs) about how many calories he needs and whatnot. Um, But he's taking a poop inside the hab (laughs) and we kind of find out that when you take a poop in space, it like vacuum seals it and like a light bulb goes on in his head thinking, Oh wait, we have potatoes and I can make manure (laughs) basically. And he decides that he wants that he can grow potatoes that will help him um, stay longer on Mars to try to get to that four year mark. Exhibit A for why I would not last on Mars. Cause never in a million years would I have thought that never, <laughs> never, uh, in the book, they, they go into a lot more detail about how he has to go outside of the hab mm-hmm. constantly to get this soil and everything. Um, we don't really get to see too much of that yeah. process, but he does, he does say at this point that he needs three, he needs to grow three years worth of food yeah. in order to stay alive. Uh, it is important to note that he is a botanist yes. also. So like that helps him a little bit. <laughs> it helps. But... They, in the book, he's a botanist and he's like a mechanical engineer, but yeah. they kind of don't even talk about that part. No. But in, he's definitely the, the guy who fixes things. Very true. Very true. Um, but he knows that he can make the viable soil because he is a botanist uh any plants he starts making a potato farm at the hab in the book it's way bigger like he yeah. takes up way more space literally every square inch of space that he could afford even like the other uh crew members like uh bunks, bunks and everything like that which i mean i guess didn't need to happen for the movie <laughs> i don't know i was like I, even watching the movie i was like that's not gonna be enough potatoes to keep <laughs> growing uh, but then now he's like, okay, I can plant these potatoes, but he needs to make water to grow these potatoes. And in my notes, I'm like, science things. Because <laughs> then he goes into this long dialogue about how you make water. And I'm like, how do you make water? Like, I don't know. And then he's like, fire. I'm like, fire to make water? This is wild. They lost me at hydrazine. The second you started talking about hydrazine, I was like, what's that? <laughs> Like, I am not kidding you guys. If you read this book, like, just tell us that we're not dumb. Like, actually tell us that we are dumb. If you're smart and you know this stuff, please write to us. I, Seth is literally probably has his like hands in his head being like, she's an Can idiot. he put this into like layman's terms for like dumb people like us? No, half the time he talks. And I have no idea what he's talking Great. about. Uh, but so he needs to start a fire to make water for whatever reason. Uh, so he uses astronaut Martinez's crucifix 
And I'm like, oh my God, my mom would be so upset right now. And I think in the book, he actually uses his own hair to start the fire. It's not a crucifix because hair starts on fire. That is true. But I feel like he did grab something of Martinez's. So maybe it didn't work. I don't know. know. (laughs) Maybe it was for a different fire he needed to start. (laughs) Uh, But he ends up blowing himself up. Uh, He miscalculated something. (laughs) Uh, Excess oxygen from exhaling. He did not put that into consideration. Wow. Yeah, he figures it out. Yeah. (laughs) Which I'm like, all right, this didn't work. I'm dead. (laughs) Uh, Back on Earth now, they actually have a funeral for Mark, which is always so crazy to think. Because one time I watched this Dateline about this car accident where I thought it was one girl, but it was really another girl who was in the hospital. And then they had like a funeral for her. And then she got to watch her funeral. It that's was creepy. Wild. But anyways, that's what, made, that's what it made me think of here. Um, but Vince, back at NASA, wants to want, he wants some satellite time because he wants, which is so funny, they like rent satellite time. <laughs> but he wants to see what supplies are still there because they were supposed to be there so much longer that they think, okay, there's some stuff there that we might be able to reuse at some point. Um, the director of NASA doesn't want him to do this because he thinks that Mark's dead body might show up on these. And mm-hmm. what they say is that those, whatever comes out on those satellites becomes public knowledge at this point. We have to release them. Right. And they didn't want to plaster an astronaut's dead body all over, all over the news. That's it. That's fair. <laughs> Rightfully so. However, while they're watching these satellites, um, which I guess that's someone's job is just to watch these satellites all the, all day. Sounds like a boring job. Yes. For Mindy Park. <laughs> Poor Mindy. Yes. She is at Mission Control and she's looking at these satellite photos and she's seen, you know, these are super grainy. So she's having trouble, but she sees that there's actually movement around the hab, that things are changing. And she's like, holy crap. This guy is still alive. Things that would need a physical human to move. Like not just something that the dust storm moved. Like clearly there's still, you know, (laughs) life on Mars. And so at this point they're like, "Uh Oh, like this guy's still alive. Like we can't just leave him there, but they don't, they decide not to tell the rest of the crew that Mark is alive. They wanted them to focus on getting home because they still have like another year or two on their mission before they get home. And they know that they're going to be really upset if they find out that they left them there. I don't know if if I was them. I don't know what I would want. I would want to know. I would probably want to know too. I can get why like you would like they would feel that they would like be off course at that point because that would mess with me if I knew that like I left somebody on Mars like with nothing. (laughs) Literally nothing. Uh, But the photos do end up getting released to the media. So everyone in the media now knows that Mark is still alive. In the book, they talk about how they actually have to go into this whole plan of like telling the family members of these other people to not write them emails mm-hmm. about this. They intercept and, all of their communications yeah. with the crew members. It's basically like what I think like Voldemort did like at Hogwarts what? when they took over. Yeah. They like, they were looking at all their letters oh. in one of those books. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, so they don't know at all. So we're back on Mars now and he's listening to disco, which I love that they kept that in there. Yeah. They So, Throughout this whole book and the movie, we find out that Commander Lewis loves disco. And that's the only... See, that's another reason why she needs to be older. Like, no one our age is like, I love disco. And that's all I love. to. Yeah, like, wouldn't she have been, like... She wouldn't have been born. Yeah, she would have. I don't think so. Weren't you born in the 80s? 
Disco is not in the 80s. No, I know, but she's probably, what, in her 40s? And you're in yeah. your 30s, so... Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Whatever. Anyways, but she loves disco, and that's the only music that he has to listen to on Mars. Um, but he comes up with a plan. He knows that he needs to get to the next... So the it's the Aries 4, is that how you pronounce it? Aries, Aries 4. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Aries 4, which is the next Mars mission. He needs to get to their site, because there's another MAV there where he can actually communi- can communicate with NASA because at this point, all of communication has been knocked out from that storm. He cannot talk to NASA at right. all, but he will be if he can get there. Okay. It's like Scaparelli. Is that how you say it? Yeah, I think so. But it's really far away. So it's not like he can just like take a jaunt over there. 3,200 kilometers to be exact. Which I'm like, cool. Like how far is that? Just tell me in miles. Like at one point I was like, is this guy Canadian? Because he's talking in Celsius. He's in kilometers. Do you know that science in general is the metric system? I know U.S. is the only country that does not follow that. Okay, Roche. Then how many miles is that many in kilometers? Lots. Lots. (laughs) You're terrible. Canadian. I'm just a terrible science person. My favorite thing is when they're like, oh my gosh, it was 40 degrees Celsius. I'm like, oh, that's cold. And then you're like, no, no it's, it's not. not. Yeah. <laughs> that one I do hot. know because it's 32 Celsius is. No, hold on. Science. 32 Fahrenheit is zero Celsius, which if you're saying freezing, that's usually what that means. Anyway, continue. What's a girl got to do to get it in miles? <laughs> Uh, but he takes, so they have a rover that is basically just like their giant, like car. <laughs> it's like their minivans fair. Uh, but he takes the rover to see how far he can get in one day, but he can't use the heater because it takes up basically the entire battery at that point. So he's freezing cause it's freezing on Mars. Um, so then he figures out that, Hey, there's a plutonium generator that we, that we buried when we first got here and I should go dig that up. Uh, but this is what you're talking about with the inner dialogue. Cause we hear it a little bit during this. They're like, yeah, they tell us not to do this because you can blow, you can blow yourself up. And then he like straps it into the Rover with the seatbelt. <laughs> it's incredible to me. Like he, he literally goes against everything that he was probably taught throughout his entire like training to right. be an astronaut. Yeah. <laughs> so back on earth, they're trying to get supplies up to to him because they know you know they kind of the same theory of like if he can make it to you know the four-year mark they can rescue him Mm -hmm. so they're trying to get supplies up to him before he runs out of food the problem is that takes a lot longer than they have they only have about three months till they till the timeline doesn't work out i was shocked to find out that it like literally takes almost 400 days or something to actually Get it Get there. there. <laughs> like science. Space. <laughs> like you can't just like shoot it up in the sky and it gets space there. Space <laughs> is wild. And I saw this video on TikTok that literally just like keeps expanding back out of the universe and then shows you all the different universes. Mm. Oh, I've seen that. Uh-huh. It literally gives me anxiety. Uh-huh. Like we're literally, like we're specs. We're specs. It literally keeps me up at night. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. We keep digressing. I know. I knew this episode was going to be tough. Uh, so back on Mars, though, uh, the potatoes are growing. We have little sprouts. 400 healthy potato plants. <laughs> Proud Papa. <laughs> uh, but at this point, he knows he needs to find a way to contact NASA. He needs, he needs one, he needs some human interaction at mm-hmm. this point. But he, need, he knows that they would be able to so- help him solve any problem that he's having. Then he remembers that Pathfinder was a rover that was sent 
up to Mars years ago and that it's still there and that he can actually get to that quicker than the other site. Mm -hmm. He can contact Earth and NASA a lot quicker if he goes to find Pathfinder. Um, One thing that we missed out on, though, is when he takes the rover to go find Pathfinder, we find out how awful the rover is. Yeah, he... so. To your point about it being a minivan, it's definitely not a minivan. No. It's like a giant or a tiny little Fiat that yeah. like nobody fits in. <laughs> like it's it, imagine Shaq trying to sit in a Fiat. That's what right. I was envisioning. Anyway, so it's a tiny little thing. Um, you can't stand in it. You can't really stretch. And he was, I think, in it for like, I don't know, like a few weeks. I, I yeah. want to say to just to get to Pathfinder. Um, so very um bad experience and then not to mention that's what he will eventually end up having to use to get to the other site which is even further further away (laughs) yeah but he talks about he's like i will literally die if i have to (laughs) to, to do this again. well and i think wasn't he um excuse my language but wasn't he like pooping and stuff inside just to preserve the urine and the poop (laughs) because he was turning urine into water fascinating that's science Uh, but he ends up getting to Pathfinder and he's able to bring it back and figure out a way to talk to NASA through, it's basically like a camera that takes photos. So it can take photos, but he doesn't have direct communication with them. So he decides to make a, he, he can talk to them because he has a dry erase board, mm-hmm. which he doesn't have in the book. He only has a piece of paper, I think. Yeah. And even talks about very minimal like resources. Yeah. He was like counting the pieces of paper. Mm -hmm. Dry erase makes way more sense. (laughs) Uh, But then he ends up coming up with a system makes like a short shorthand alphabet, which again, I'm like, I don't even know how you do that. Yeah. But through all this, NASA is able to tell them that he's able to, you know, hack the Pathfinder so he can communicate better with them. There's a, yeah. there's a different way that he can do it. And they also tell him uh, that they have a rescue plan for him with supplies. Hooray! And he really is looking forward to not dying. Yeah. Well, and this, this whole plan to kind of hack the system is important because at this point, this whole camera situation has like a giant delay. Right. So he literally has to like... Put out his message, wait forever, get have them respond by moving the camera, mm-hmm. and then he has to do it all over again well, every time. And what's important in the book when he talks about this, we'll get to this very shortly, is that he doesn't stay out there and wait for them mm-hmm. for the message. So he's going in and out of the hab every time, which is wearing down the material on the hab, which ends up being a problem. Right. But they don't talk about that in the movie right. at all. Uh, so anyways, they're able to almost have like an instant messenger type communication now. Also talk about like how we think everything kind of worked out perfectly, especially in the movie during this whole, like communicating through the camera thing. He literally has to like write the information in the book. He has to write Mm -hmm. the information down in the sand. So he memorizes it that has to run back inside, write it all down and then respond and come back here. He's just like, Oh yeah, let me just write it down on my piece of paper, (laughs) which is inaccurate because in the book, he has one Sharpie and mm-hmm. Sharpie is essentially going to like combust if he takes it out to Mars. Right. So just saying it was very simple for Matt Damon to do things. <laughs> anyway. Good old Matt Damon. 
But uh, now we have a computer. <laughs> yeah. So now we have a computer. Um, and they tell him that he that they haven't he hasn't told the crew yet that he's alive. He's like, what did they say when you told them and I was alive? And they're like, uh, we have it. <laughs> um, so then he starts on this instant messenger. He says, you know, I think he says like a swear word. And they're like, watch your language. The whole world is watching. Because again, this is something that's going to get released to the whole mm-hmm. to the whole uh, world. I was so sad that they didn't put this last thing in because in the book, once they tell him to watch his language, language, he's like, oh, look, boobs. And he makes little <laughs> boobs out of oh, yeah. like typing. And I was like, man, that was so funny in That's the book. Great. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. And it's important to know at this point, I mean, obviously the entire world is is um, invested in yeah. Mark Watney and what happens to him. So obviously like th- everything he's doing is being scrutinized. Right. Uh, so, but this, at this point, now that they have a plan for Mark and getting him some supplies, they figure it's now it's okay for them to tell the crew. So they tell the crew that Mark is alive. They send a video message to tell them that he's alive. Uh, on Mars, he's now getting, now that he's getting all of these emails from Mars, he says that they won't shut up, that they're all in his business, <laughs> which I was like, I was like, man, I totally like get that. Like being working from home now, I'm like, I can just do my work. Not that anyone's like, micromanaging me but i'm like if you're like used to like working alone and then someone is then you know right on your back every second that you're doing not only that but like he's clearly survived this long like he's doing something right and at this point he's colonized mars he said that he got (laughs) a letter from his alma mater saying that once you grow a plant on something you have colonized it in your face neil armstrong (laughs) (laughs) so funny um and then i I love that they tell him, like, we need a photo to use for the media. And he's like, I have a photo op today. (laughs) And he literally gives them the fonts. (laughs) And I love it. And he's like, I asked for a picture and I get the fonts. Because what we we, we don't get in the movie is that he also only has to watch like a collection of like old seventies and eighties mm-hmm. sitcoms. <laughs> so, and then he says at this point, you know, he has enough food to survive to that 400 or that four year mark. If nothing goes wrong, dot, dot, dot. Cause then something goes wrong. <laughs> <laughs> the airlock ends up exploding, which they don't do a great job at all explaining in the movie, why it happened in the book. I mean, we get, every yeah. micro detail of why it exploded. Still not sure how, but no. <laughs> what I gathered is that they said something about, cause the door kept opening and closing. So it was like wearing down the canvas of the airlock. That makes sense. And then at one point it just ripped and then it blew it apart. Makes sense. We'll sure. go with that. Sure. <laughs> um, but at this point, his face, when, when the explosion happens, his faceplate cracks and he uses his good old duct tape patch it up fixes everything <laughs> but unfortunately all of his crops were ruined and now he doesn't have his potatoes so now he he will not get to that 400 day mark um even if that supply makes it to him right um but at this point then you know he gets to talk to the crew and he does patch up the hab um and there's this like crazy scary flapping noise and i'm like there's no way i would be paranoid the entire time well and in the book we get much more description about how he can't get a like wink of sleep because he's constantly like, what was that sound? Is it going to burst again? Am I going to die? Like I can't imagine trying to actually get sleep. (laughs) No way. No way. So back on earth. Now we get introduced to rich Purnell, who is an astrodynamic physicist, doctor guy. Very smart. Um, and he has an idea. He has an idea and he wants that, um, 
that he's trying to tell NASA will work and will be a better option than what they're, what, than what they're doing. And, but the NASA director just wants to buy more time. Um, and he, so he has an idea. We don't know exactly what it is at this point. Um, but we're seeing the NASA director kind of going through like, what are we going to do? And the timeline is, is not working out. And like they're, they need to, I think it's like two or three weeks they need to make up. So he asks, he's like, okay, these inspections, how long do the inspections take? If we don't do them, can we make the timeline? And it's like, you think about it, you're like, this guy's such an idiot. Of course you have to do the inspections, but like the way he describes it. And he's like, look, if we don't, if we do, if we do all the inspections, it's not going to matter if it works or not. Yeah. If we don't do the inspections, it may or may not work. And if it works great, if not, you know, the way I was like, you know, he's probably right. Like, was it the, is it the most ideal situation? No, but at that point, they I don't like, have any other choice. <laughs> right. So I couldn't blame him for it. Um, because Mark at this point has to be, he's now cutting back on food again because he doesn't have his potatoes and they're getting ready to launch these supplies. And in the book, it's such a longer process. I was like, well, that was quick. They got yeah. that together really fast. <laughs> um, but they're getting ready to launch these supplies back to Mars and they think it's going okay. Then all of a sudden it starts rattling and it explodes. Come to find out, don't put protein bars in a rocket ship because evidently they liquefy. And then it's like, Boom. I, what I thought I was like, you know what it felt like? And like, you know, like when you put like something really heavy or bulky in the washing machine mm-hmm. and it gets like off tilted and then mm-hmm. your washing machine like literally comes out of the closet that's in my mind. I simplified it to that. It doesn't explode, but you know what I mean? Right. That was an interesting <laughs> like the analogy. Weight, the weight goes off. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> Anyways. Uh, but Mark asked them, you know, how did the launch go? And you're just like, Ooh, about, about that. that. <laughs> <laughs> so on Mars, Mark at this point is like, I'm screwed. And he's writing goodbye letters to his crew. Uh, in the book, I love that we got a little bit more detail about everything um, to his crew because we find out way more about how much time they had to spend together mm-hmm. to get ready for this mission. Right. You know, they went into training and everything yeah. like, from the get go to do this. So now we're in China <laughs> because what I've gathered is that to send these supplies up to Mars, there's this like one specific part. It's like the booster that you need to get it up to space, which is very expensive. It takes a very long time to make. Um, but China has one because mm-hmm. they are getting ready to do their own mission. They do a great job in the book. It kind of explaining China's thought process on this of like, we can help them. But no if, one knows that we can help them. Yeah, because no one knows we have this. <laughs> right. So if we help them, we'll kind of look like heroes. If we don't help them, it doesn't matter. We're not going to look like jerks because right. no one will know that we're not helping well, them. Well, and their whole thing is, you know, they feel like they're behind the U.S. in terms of, you know, space um, exploration mm-hmm. and things like that. So they're like, well, this could be, if we don't help, this could be us, you know, moving up um, and ahead of, of U.S., but... In the end, they end Again, up. you know what China could probably spend more money on? Their population control. Well, yeah. And all of the people that starve there every day. Anyway. <laughs> we, we digress again. Yes. Uh, but they, I don't even know if they mentioned, we see it at the end of the movie, but also in exchange for them helping, they get to send one of their astronauts to space. In the next mission. In yeah. the next mission. Um, 
So basically they have one more chance with China's help. They have one more chance to get these supplies up to Mark and they're trying to figure out the, you know, to make it not happen the way it happened before. And then Rich Purnell comes back in with his idea. Uh, it's called Project El- Elrond. Elrond. Which is a Lord of the Rings reference, <laughs> which I'm sure we'll understand at some point. Sure. Um, but he says that he can get the Hermes and the crew back to Mars to basically pick to pick um, Mark up. And do a drive by. <laughs> well, and I was so, I was like, when I was reading this, I was like, I don't fully understand what he's saying. I was like, but I bet you they're going to do a great job in the movie explaining, explaining it. it. And they did. <laughs> I was very appreciative of that. Yeah. So basically, cause this is how I would start grabbing staplers and stuff to try to like <laughs> make a diagram. Basically the Hermes is headed back to earth, but instead of stopping at earth, they're just going to go around earth, pick up some, some supplies that they'll, you know, shoot up to them. And then they will go back to Mars to pick up Mark. However, they will not land on Mars. They will just fly by it. And similar to the supplies that they picked up on earth, Mark will get into that MAV at the other site and rocket himself up to them. And then this adds quite a bit more to their already really long trip. Right. So it's essentially like, another, like two or three years. Right. Exactly. So the, the question is like the supplies help, but these crew members will have to essentially, you know, double up their trip for the sake of, you know, helping their crew member. Right. So now they have these two plans. They have Rich Purnell's plan and then they have basically the plan that they just tried and failed at, but they can only do one of them. Yep. They don't have the booster to do both. So they basically break it down of it's a high risk of killing one person or it's a low risk of killing six people. I mean, it's an impossible decision for the director. I felt like I don't, I'm sure you get paid billions of dollars and this is what you get paid for to make these decisions. But he ends up deciding to go with their first plan of trying the supply run again. So now we're thinking, all right. That's probably not going to work either. (laughs) So we are now back on the Hermes with the crew and we see space gym. They have this great gym in space. I know. It's pretty cool. I was like, that's nicer than my gym. (laughs) And it's like on a slant. It's really cool. Very Xenon. (laughs) And so one of the crew members ends up getting this encrypted message that he thinks is a picture from his wife ends up being a coded form of Rich Purnell's plan. And basically it tells them that they can go back and pick up Mark. Come to find out it was, who's the one that sent it to them? Uh, Mitch. So Mitch was, I think he's the head of this specific mission. Mm-hmm. And um, in the in the book and in the movie, like he calls Teddy a coward, the director of, yes. of NASA. Like, how could you, you know... Like, this plan could work, right. but you're just too scared and too much of a coward to do it. So Mitch goes behind Teddy's back and provides this information to to them. So the crew goes through it, and they're like, they decide on their own. They vote, and they all decide that they want to go back and save Mark. Uh, they end up, ha- I mean, they're basically saying, like, NASA's going to blackball you after this. Yeah. And I love, they're like, look, we've been in space for, like, 900 days. That's going to be <laughs> enough for a lifetime. Uh, but they end up, I can't remember exactly what they did, but they do something basically where, or they go off, they decide to go off course and start doing this plan without telling NASA Mm -hmm. because NASA can basically, 
control their ship from Earth to some extent until they get too far off track. So they start to do that. And then I think the girl ends up basically jamming the system so they NASA can't do that for them. So they make their own decision and that they are going to go back to get Mark, which, I mean, I think at that point you got to. I mean, the the guilt alone would eat at you. So, yeah. So now we're on Mars again, and Mark knows that he really needs to get to Ares 4. He needs to get to that site. And NASA is telling him how to make those modifications, because now he knows that the crew is coming back for him. And this is where he's like, yeah, NASA can help me get through any of this. They can help me make modifications on this Rover. And he starts drilling all these holes everywhere. And we see, and we just kind of see him doing it. And that's the end of it. The next thing we see is there's the supply launch to Hermes and it's a success Mm -hmm. in the book. Something happens when Mark is drilling all these holes. Yeah. So he has, which I, what I assume is a simple drill. Maybe it's more in depth. I don't know, but he's drilling these holes with this drill and he takes breaks because he has to let the drill essentially cool off because mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not supposed to be right. used for what he's using it for exactly so he, he sets it aside and you know uh, during one of his his um breaks um but i guess the wiring somehow was connected to the pathfinder which was his main mode of communication with nasa um ends up frying the entire internal computer system of pathfinder and poof just like that he no longer has nasa <laughs> He has no connection to Zero anybody anymore. And that does not happen in the movie no. at all. He never loses communication with NASA once he regains it at right. the beginning of the movie. Um, another thing that they don't mention on is when the crew gets that supply, that was like a major, that was one of the big hurdles that they had to yeah. get through. They thought that they might not even survive getting that part Mm -hmm. and uh astronaut beck actually ends up becoming the designated sole survivor from them and tells them that if (laughs) i think it's what what are they is it beck it's the girl so it's not beck oh no not beck johansson johansson yes johansson because i think they're talking to her parent her dad and she's basically like tell mom like i will survive and he's like what do you mean and she's like basically commander lewis told me that if something goes wrong, I'm the one that gets to live, essentially. Yeah. Which, and he's like, oh, well, what about the food supplies? She's like, well, food's not going to be my only supply. Right. Which essentially insinuates that she's going to start eating everybody Right. <laughs> yeah. She's going to have to eat the other people right. to survive. And I love the, the quote, once they... Once they are secure and they know that that won't happen, I think, oh, Beck goes to her and he goes, okay, so who would you have eaten first? (laughs) So, um, but so now we're on Mars again and we see a naked, skinny, hairy Matt Damon. (laughs) Like, gross. Like, the worst you've ever seen Matt Damon. That's it. It was very much like um, Leonardo DiCaprio in, um, what's that bear movie? Oh, the the Revenant. Yes. Yes. Um, but now that I know it's not Matt Damon, I'm like, okay, we'll give you, but it seems like he can't grow a beard. So, yeah. (laughs) And he makes, he makes this like inner dialogue about how, um, you know, Mars is basically international waters. So once he goes on board of the new MAV, which again, until he gets, what is it that he says that he 
if he goes on to the new MAV while he's in international waters, he technically becomes a pirate. Right. And then that makes him a space pirate. Space pirate. <laughs> Sounds super cool. Yeah. So we see him at this point shutting down the hab. He's basically saying goodbye to his little Mars home. Uh, something that we also don't get though is, you know, we mentioned earlier that this rover trip was going to be so hard for him because he had to stay in his little compartment. Mm-hmm. But in the book, he kind of comes up with the solution that we don't see in the movie. Yeah. He essentially, again, science. Um, he takes the, there's, so there's two rovers currently where he's located. One that he's basically gutted um, to create like, like a trailer essentially where he can just put all of his crap that he doesn't really necessarily need. And then he grabs one of the pop tents that they use for God knows what um, and makeshifts a, an extendable bedroom (laughs) that attaches to the main part of his rover so he essentially can you know once he's done for the day or his you know travels are done he can pop the tent open and actually have space to like stand and sleep Mm -hmm. and things like that which is freaking genius but the annoying thing is every time he needs to go back to like starting to travel again he has to bring it back in and like air lock it in and Mm -hmm. seal it and all that good stuff but i think you know, it's worth it to right. have some relaxation. Well, and I think it's funny in the in the book because he has no communication with NASA, but they're s- still seeing his pictures. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, what is that? And they're like, oh, he must be making like a, a work area where he can work on things. <laughs> and he's like, literally like, oh, I'm so happy to lie down. <laughs> but that's some of the inner dialogue yeah. that, we, that we missed in the movie a little bit. So his trip to Aries 4 is super long, super boring. And... Which is inaccurate right (laughs) like granted the majority of it is um but what we don't get in the movie um there's two main big things that happen so as like to your point nasa has been watching him they can see kind of his trajectory yeah they notice that there's a giant dust storm that's headed his way um basically if he gets stuck in this dust storm, he, he, could, he could die, basically. Because he the way he's powering the rover is with these satellite panels. The, the solar pa- Sol- panels, yeah. yeah. And in order to do that, you need basically all day sunlight to... He has, he has to take... Every fourth day, he has to take a day off to, to um, uh, recharge these, these solar panels. Uh, so without sunlight, he can't. Therefore, he can't go anywhere. Therefore, he's stuck in a dust storm. Anyway... In the book, you get this whole um, discussion about how he realizes it eventually. Then he has to basically go completely off course to avoid the dust storm and continue on. We don't get that in the movie. No. Then the next big thing that happens during his long-ass trip to Scaparelli, um, at the very end, he's basically, he sees the MAV in his, you know, in the very near distant future um but he ends up the way that the rover i guess travels he ends up getting stuck in a sandy area um uh, you know one 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 tire gets stuck then the next then the next again remember that he has a trailer um on the back of his main rover so the uh the rover starts to 
um, tumble and, you know, they the two pieces get disconnected from each other. His piece, the rover that he's currently in, um, gets tilted to its side. The trailer portion flips up uh, completely upside down. Right. So now he's like SOL because he has to figure out a way to bring the rover back up to <laughs> standing position, then fly it over to the trailer, reconnect it. Mind you, it's, it's again, upside down. And he has a... I don't know exactly what it is, but it's essentially a bubble that's at the top right. of the trailer that if it pops, again, SOL. <laughs> Magically, though, he figures out a way to do it. He uses cable to, you know, pull it back up. Um, he flies it over to the trailer and he does get them, you know, connected back up. But we missed that completely in the I movie. I was shocked that it was not in the yeah. movie. Like, 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 when I was reading the book, I was like, ooh, this is going to be really good visually right? in, the, in the movie. And it was one of those things, like, in the book... I very much felt like what else can go wrong? Mm -hmm. Like thing after thing totally. after thing in the movie, I was like, well, this doesn't, nothing goes wrong. Yeah. Like, Matt Damon has an easy peasy time. On right. <laughs> yeah. So I did miss that quite a bit. In, it just didn't feel realistic movie. in the movie. Like, Obviously, if you're on Mars with very bare bones resources, like right. things are going to go wrong. Right. So I was bummed. Yeah. And two things that could be very, very visually cool too. Totally. Not even just that it happened, but it, I was, I yeah. was bummed. Um, but yeah, because really the next thing we see is that he gets, he gets to Ares four and, mm -hmm. and the MAV there. Uh, one thing that they start while he's on his mission back at NASA, they're talking about how they need in order to make make it back to the Hermes. They need to make the MAV lighter to get the velocity up to match the Hermes. So <laughs> they tell him that he needs to take off the front of the ship plus the windows. And he's like, cool. So they want to send me into space in a tarp. <laughs> <laughs> and like there's, so he just starts, you know, ejecting things out of the MAV. He basically guts it. And one thing that I thought was funny is that tarp that we're talking about to cover the windows in the front of, of the MAV, he like bungee cords it down yeah. in the book. Like he's using this like glue and sealant and it's pretty stable. Mm -hmm. Like in the, in the, um, in the movie, it's so like flimsy. Yeah. Like it was like, if I tied down a tarp <laughs> somewhere, I mean, in the end, both situations were bad. So I don't know. Yeah, totally. Um, but at this point, you know, Hermes is, you know, that ship is getting ready and, you know, for the launch and Mark shaves and he's super skinny now, like the astronaut suit doesn't fit him at all. And they tell him at this point, like, you're going to be going so fast. You're going to pull like 12 G's. Like, it's okay if you pass out, mm -hmm. like you're probably going to pass out. And I, have you ever been at the, on that one, um, ride at the fair that just like spins around mm -hmm. really fast like that it's so, terrible yeah it's ba i'm basically an astronaut because i went on that <laughs> sure <laughs> and so the mav launches and the tarp just flies off <laughs> bye like, bye tarp <laughs> bye bye well and like literally in the movie it's like it they goes up and it flies off mm -hmm. i think in the book it like rips it starts to like tear like it'll little bit little by little until eventually it completely comes off yeah and because of this, he, the velocity of the MAV is too slow and his alt he's not being able to get enough altitude for that flyby that if he doesn't get to the right velocity and the right altitude, they're going to fly right by him. And then he's just going to float in space. Right. <laughs> and they say that he's like 68 kilometers off of what it needs to be, which is like a ton, supposedly. 
<laughs> we would, don't know. I would assume. <laughs> uh, so they need to slow down. And so the Hermes needs to slow down and change their altitude. Because at this point, the MAV, it can't do right. anything at this point. So they use most of their fuel to adjust the altitude. That's one problem. Um, another problem is that Mark has now, you know, busted t- his ribs. He has mm-hmm. broken ribs. He's passed out. And, it, but now he's kind of coming to and trying to help them kind of work through these problems. And he tells them, you know, if I poke a hole in my suit, it'll thrust me forward and I can just fly to you like Iron Man. <laughs> like, <laughs> like Genius. it'll work. It'll work. I'm like, oh my God, please do this. <laughs> um, funny enough, um, Bucky Barnes, Sebastian Stan killed Iron Man's parents in Marvel, but okay. just, you know, side note. Anyway. Um, but Commander Luce is like, actually, that's a good idea. And they're like, what? <laughs> like, no, it's not. And she's like, well, it's a good idea, just not for him. Yeah. Like, we can do something very similar that if they blow the bridge, they can use the thrust basically going backwards mm-hmm. to slow down their ship. Um, come to find out Vogel, one of the astronauts, um, knows how to blow things up. Sure. Why so not? he comes and makes a space bomb very quickly uh, to blow. With sugar, of all things. Yeah. Science. and uh he ends to blow off the nose of the ship uh but he sets the bomb and this is a little different commander lewis actually suits up yeah and can i stop you there for a second because it's it's made such an important point in the book because he tries uh watney tries to actually get out of his seat to make it easier to get to him Mm -hmm. and and lewis is like don't move because any movement can change the trajectory of your MAV. Right. In the movie, he's like popping out. He's like, hey, everyone. Yeah. Like, he's what? like, oh, wait. What's going on? Yeah. Like, so annoyed by that. I was like, <laughs> that makes no sense, but whatever. Right. Um, so the bomb goes off and it does slow down the ship. And Lewis basically tethers up and she's on this, like, in this, like, space chair thing mm-hmm. to, like, go out and get him, which she does not go out in the book at all. It's not her that no, goes it's out. Beck that actually goes it, out. Yeah. And basically, he's still too far away. She still cannot get to him at this point. So she's like, all right, better Iron Man it. <laughs> and he pokes a hole in the suit and he Iron Man's out of there. And it that does not happen in the book. No. He doesn't. It, whatever they do in the book at this point works. Yeah, no. Beck they is able to go out and get him. Be- Beck is tethered, similar to Lewis was by, you know, this long ass rope. But eventually they figure out a way for him to get to him. They stretch out enough to, you know, he's at the point where he's about to tear, but he eventually gets to him. He unbuckles him, gets him out, and they, you know, they get pulled back yeah. inside. None of this Iron Man No. Stuff. <laughs> well, and then even he does that and then she misses him mm-hmm. at one point and then he has to grab the tether. It's like super dramatic. What I thought was so funny is that the scenes that you just talked about before that they took out of the movie, mm-hmm. I was so bummed because I was like, it made it, it didn't, like it was so dramatic in the yeah. book. Then they added this part <laughs> to make it more dra- dramatic and I was like, you just should have just left those other parts in. Totally. I don't know. Um, but it, it did make me like very nervous because I was like, oh my God, he's just going to float away. Yeah. And at one point I was like, are they going to kill him? <laughs> like, no way. Um, but, but so, and she ends up grabbing him. And like you said, in the book, they reel him in and they say he is secure six crew on board. And that's where the book ends. Mm-hmm. The book ends with them getting him on, on board. And he's like, yeah, they like fix, you know, they 
give him medication and things like that. I think the book ends with him saying, like, this is the happiest day of my life, yeah. which rightfully so. So, but in the movie, we actually see them back on Earth. And Mark is on the NASA campus, and we see some recruits running by, and they call him Sir. So come to find out that he's kind of become a celebrity, mm-hmm. obviously. And what I thought was was cool is that throughout... The movie we've been seeing, you know, it was like Soul 48, Soul 287. Mm-hmm. When we get in this scene, it says day one, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. Come to find out he is now the astronaut cadet teacher at NASA. Um, and he tells them that there's going to be a point where you think you will die when you are in space. Like, that's just, that comes with the territory. Yeah. And he just says, just keep solving problems and then you can come home. And I'm like, oh. I would never come home. I cannot <laughs> solve those problems. And then we see that Martinez uh, ends up going back to space. Wow. Good for him. Right. I'd be like, no, thanks. I'd I'm be done. over it by then. Um, and that's where we see the Chinese astronaut is there with them. Uh, and that Ares 5, the next mission, goes up and goes to Mars. And then we see that Beck and Johansson are married and have a baby. Happy ending. Happy ending. And that's how, and that's how the book ended. I, I like that we got movie. that little, sorry. Yeah. Uh, I liked how we got that little extra to kind of see, but it was so like unnecessary. Uh, yeah, I didn't need it. <laughs> I did not need to see Matt Damon in glasses looking all studious. Yeah, it was, it was a little weird, but whatever. Happy endings. Yeah. So yeah. Um, but yeah, what would you say? Did the, did the movie stay true to the book? W- with the exception of that weird ass ending? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, the di- <laughs> a lot of the dialogue stayed the same. Yeah, you know they took out some things. They obviously added some things. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can't stray too far. Like it's an astronaut stuck on Mars, right? Well, and like you know the logistics of actually getting the mission completed. Like I feel yeah. like needed to stay the right. same. <laughs> right. Um. So book or movie. <sighs> I think I might have changed my mind while we were talking about this, to be honest. Okay, well, I'll go first know. and I'll say movie. Okay. Only because, and I feel like you've used this um, reason a few times in the past. I spent only two and a half hours watching this movie and I feel like I got the gist of it as opposed to spending hours reading it feeling confused as True. all hell, True. <laughs> not knowing what the heck was going on. I will say the the dialogue was beautifully written by Andy Weir. Like, right. I'll give him that, but I got to go with the movie. Like, I, I got what I needed yeah. out of the movie. <laughs> I think, okay, I think I'm going to stay with my gut. I'm going to say movie. Okay. But while we were talking about it, totally. I was like, yeah, that book was actually really good. Yeah. Like, as dumb as it made me feel and how hard of a read it was, especially coming off, we had just finished a young adult book. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very challenging. Challenging. Um, I felt accomplished after I read it. Um, but yeah, I gotta yeah. go with the movie. I mean, it's an Oscar-nominated film, right? Well, and and I liked the book. I still had to give it about a three out of five, just because I felt so confused the majority of the time. <laughs> yeah. um, but I would I would give this movie like a four or four and a half out of yeah. five, which you know. So anyway. <laughs> All right, that's it for this one. Make sure to hit subscribe on your podcast app. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give us a rating and leave us a review. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Boovie Girls. You can also email us at theboviegirls at gmail.com. Please email us if you know anything science-related. We'd love to know. Just put it into, like, normal people talk. That would be great. (laughs) Um, And as we mentioned earlier, we are on Patreon. 
We have a couple levels for you. We have our rom-com level that gets you episodes 24 hours ahead. You also get access to our Karen reviews. Then we have our drama level that gets you everything I already mentioned. You also get a sticker for joining. You get a shout out in a future episode and you get access to our um, exclusive bonus content. Like we mentioned earlier, we're starting with Firefly Lane. Um, uh, Like Hannah said, we'll put our first episode on the regular feed, but everything else will be on Patreon. So all you have to do to become a patron is go to patreon.com forward slash the booby girls to sign up. Next up, we are going back. <laughs> We're going to do Holes. I'm so excited. Have you read the book? Um, I was trying to remember if I have or not, and I can't remember. I have not read the book, and I've only seen bits and pieces of the movie. What? I've never seen this movie all the way. And I know this is Shia LaBeouf in his prime. This, <laughs> this, is this movie nuts. is so great. So I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited to read the book, actually, and, and kind of compare I'm also and excited. I think I'll be able to understand this one. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. And remember, don't judge a book by its movie. Bye. Bye.